Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. What a great time of worship this morning, hey? Loved it. Jairus, your moves around that stage. Come and impart that energy to me, please. Like new dad with that much energy. Amazing. So great. Beautiful time of worship this morning. And I just want to encourage you with, um, with um, Elf for coming up. If you've got your phone, why don't you just quickly grab out your phone for me. If you're a kind of put notes in a calendar kind of person, now's a good opportunity because such an amazing opportunity, especially in the climate that we're living in, for people to get some answers around what's happening in the world and is there something beyond me? And I want you to put into your calendar that we've got some flyers going out into our community on the um, 19th and 20th of April. And that's a great time to be specifically praying that those flyers hit on people's hearts. They don't just end up in the rubbish bin, but hey, something illuminates in that. Hey, yeah, I want to know more about that. So if you can pop that in and be praying about that because we want to be a blessing to our local community, don't we? Exciting stuff. All right, well, my name's Beck. if you're not sure who I am. Um, on the preach team here and what an honor and privilege that is. Welcome if you're online. So many of us are tuning in online these days and we want you to know you're still a part of our community and we love you and lean in this morning, comment. Um, great to have you with us and if you're here, so great to have you with us this morning, yeah? Good to be back. Yeah, come on. Well, we're I mean, I've loved this series. Actually, I just want to take a moment. I'm probably going to regret this later when I run out of time. But I just want to take a moment just to really acknowledge the preach team, not because I'm on the preach team, but what amazing sermons we have, what amazing messages, you know. And what a, this series has been brilliant. All our series are great, but, you know, just busting some of the thoughts that we have or these misconceptions we have. And I think our preach team do an amazing job of really seeking God and bringing something that's really relevant and vibrant to our lives so we can be transformed. So why don't we give them a big cheer? Come on. It's good to honour people. So today we are going to Mythbust. Who remembers the Myth, Mythbusters show? Showing age there. That the idea that God loves you but he's still mad at you. So that's what we're going to dig into today and we're going to explore a couple of reasons why we might have these notions that while I understand that God loves me, I still have this idea that he's mad at me for some reason and, you know, some of those reasons that we're going to dig into today, I can't comprehensively cover every single reason but I've pulled two out that I think are quite on point and they are that we think we need to earn God's love. And also that we believe that the sin in our life disqualifies us from God's love. So we're going to look at how we can understand that in the context of applying some biblical truths that will dispel those myths that we have, those misconceptions that we have, um, to really break down the barriers so that we can experience God's love in a deep and full way. How's that sound? 
I have this thing where I like to tell my kids every day that I love them. And it seems nice, hey, you think like, oh, your kids are so special. <laughs> well, my youngest, I'll often say, come here, I want to tell you something. She'd go, I'm not coming if you're going to tell me you love me. <laughs> and I was like, but you don't, you'll look back and you'll be grateful for this. <laughs> you know, there's something in her in that moment that she doesn't want to receive my love and she rejects my love. <laughs> Eventually, she'll come and give me a cuddle and she'll let me say it to her. I think they indulge me in that. But, you know, we have those same sort of barriers with God. Sometimes we just don't want to hear that he loves us. We don't want to accept that love that he has for us. And many of us are under the impression that God is still mad at us and that somehow these choices we make frustrate, the choices we make in our lives frustrate him and make him angry at us. And, you know, these thoughts that we have, these internal, sometimes hidden thoughts that we have, are often revealed in our shoulds. So they, they often emerge in a way where we say things like, I should pray more. I should read my Bible more. I should give more. And so on and so on. I should, I should, I should. I should do all these things. Because somehow if we do all these things... If we tick these boxes, we'll appease God's anger that he has towards us. We'll earn his love. While these things are good, they're important, they're value, and I encourage you to do them because they will strengthen your relationship with God and they will cause you to grow deeper in connection with him. There's a vast difference between the notion that I should do these things because I feel a sense of I've got to earn God's love And I want to do these things out of understanding his love. You with me? So if we dig around the Bible, there's heaps of things in there that can myth bust these misconceptions that we have. And and today in particular, in regards to God's love towards us, that we don't need to strive to achieve God's love. We don't need to conjure up anything to get his love but that just as Psalm 145.8 says that God is all about mercy and grace. He's not quick to anger, but he's rich in love. God is all about mercy and grace. Not quick to anger, but he's rich in love. That's our God. So if Jesus didn't say to us, And the words in the Bible, the red letter words, don't say that Jesus said that God's mad at us. What did he say about God's love towards us? Shall we find out? Well, let's go to the good old classic John 3.16. It's like a staple verse in the Christian diet, yeah? Such a good one. It's funny because those scriptures that we use heaps, we often overlook the importance and the depth and the value of them because we're like, oh, yeah, we know that scripture. Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. And we kind of don't really fully embrace these scriptures. But John 3.16 to 21 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only, his one and his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. 
but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. For God so loved the world. You know, and the context of this scripture is that Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and Nicodemus has come to him at night. He's come to him in the dark. And Nicodemus is a religious teacher. He's like a preacher of the law. He should, he should know the word of God, right? He should know what God's all about. But he comes to Jesus in the dark trying to understand what is going on, trying to understand the depths of God. And he's probably like us that... He's really got some unhelpful thoughts stuck in his mind, some unhelpful thinking patterns and just misconceptions about how God operates, yeah? And being a religious man, the one one who studied God's word and didn't quite get it, I think is encouraging for us because we don't always get it, right? We don't always get it. We read, we learn, but we don't always get it. And I think that this is encouraging that somebody who dedicated their life to understanding God, to knowing God, to teaching God, still had moments where he didn't get it. There were things that that caused a barrier between his understanding of how good God is and his goodness and his grace and his mercy. So I think that certainly encourages me that there's hope for me. There's hope that I can learn more. There's, There's more of the depth of God for me to learn and for you also which I think is, is exciting, that God is so gracious that we keep moving forward and he keeps breaking down these misconceptions in our life and we keep growing deeper and deeper in our understanding of him as we continue to walk in his ways. So, and according to Jesus, the truth is that God is not mad at you. And I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, God's not mad at you. You don't have to say it that sternly. We think we know this, but I don't think we always know this. God, Jesus never said God's mad at us. But why do these should thoughts keep popping up in our minds? I think the story of Peter gives some great insight into this, and it's a really interesting one. Peter, as you may recall, was a young man that Jesus called to follow him. He was kind of confident and enthusiastic individual, which is really code for. He was really cocky and, you know, he was super confident in himself. But towards the end of Jesus' life, um, Peter and Jesus had this interaction that I want to read to you. And it's out of Matthew 26. It says, on the way, Jesus told them, tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, oh, that'd be quite confronting. Imagine that. Jesus says to his disciples, tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declares. So Jesus is saying to Peter, you're gonna, you're gonna let me down. You're going to turn your back on me. And Peter goes, no, even if everybody else does that, I've got your back, Jesus. I'll be here. I'm not going to do that. I will never desert you, he says. And Jesus turns to him and says, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you've ever known me. 
Can you imagine being in that conversation? Could you imagine being there and having that conversation with Jesus? No, Peter insists, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the disciples vowed the same. And many of us know how that story continues on, but Peter wanted to be Jesus' guy. Peter wanted to be the top dog. He was confident. You know, Peter leads the charge in like everybody going, yeah, no, Jesus, we're with you. We're not going to let you down. And what's really interesting about this interaction and this story that's so relatable to us is this sense of wanting to be seen as somebody who is performing and achieving. Somebody who is doing the things that are pleasing to that person. Our culture is so performance orientated. Like, I'm sure you're well aware and you've got many examples of how just all around us, everything is performance orientated. And that creeps into every aspect of life. Like I was in a meeting, I'm a chaplain in a primary school, and I was in a meeting with other chaplains and uh, somebody upstream, and they started talking about KPIs, key performance indicators. I was like, what? Stop. (laughs) Like, we don't have to be achieving and performing all the time, but that's how our culture is derived. You know, that's how we see things. And you know, one of the first things that we ask people when we meet them is often, oh, what do you do? So we'll say hi, you know, and we'll ask them what they did, what they do. I did that to someone this morning. It's quite funny. <laughs> you know, and subconsciously, or maybe consciously, we're internally ranking or making judgments about that person based on what they do. So, for example, oh, you're a veterinarian surgeon. Hmm. That's going to be awkward if you weren't here today. (laughs) Like, you know, we might be, hmm, impressive. But we don't say that out loud internally. We're like, oh, yes, okay. And then, you know, we might talk to another person and what do you do? Oh, I'm a garbologist. Oh, okay. Awkward. See you later. (laughs) You know, we tend to have this judgment around what people do, what they achieve, what they bring. And you know, over the last year, I've written many a paper about performative culture in education. I know I live a very exciting life. It's thrilling. And, uh, but, you know, from a very young age, kids are being immersed in this culture of, you know, your performance dictates so much. Your achievement dictates so much. We rank you on your performance and your achievements. And it's so per- pervasive in our society. And we start to form these beliefs that my achievement equals my value. My achievement equals my value. And like Peter, we can translate that into our understanding of God if I'm doing all these shoulds, if I'm doing all these things to please God, if I'm ticking all these spiritual boxes, then surely his, his anger towards me will subside and he will love me more. I need to do something profound that God will love me. But how great is our God? He always has a solution for the attitudes that he knows that we'll have, the misconceptions that we'll have. And and God is so good because God's kind of solution to this is the Sabbath, right? 
where we can stop. Like the idea of the Sabbath is that we stop, we stop striving, we stop achieving, and we rest. We can be unproductive on a Sabbath. You can be not achieving anything and yet experiencing God's love. It's like God's antidote to the concept that if you're achieving, you're valuable to God. Because God says, hey, take 24 hours each week and be unproductive and see that I love you. See that my love is still there for you when you're unproductive, when you're not achieving. Isn't that cool? I love how God works. It's amazing. God is actually saying, go ahead and be unproductive. Rest. Find enjoyment and know that I love you regardless. It's a glimpse of what the future kingdom of God's like. This rest in not achieving, not striving, but just resting in God's love, his provision for us. God's perspective, our value is not determined by our achievement. From God's perspective, our value is not determined by what we do for him, but rather what Jesus has done. Because it's Jesus who makes us right with God. It's not our striving, it's not our achievements, it's Jesus that makes us right with God. The second reason I think that we kind of had this barrier to really embracing God's love is the, the notion of sin, the, the fact that I stuff up a lot, I make bad choices and therefore God can't love me. And I tend to think the, the idea of telling someone not to sin, saying to them, you know what, you've been saved, don't sin no more, you know, don't stuff up, don't make a bad decision, is just as effective as if you place an Easter egg in front of me and ask me not to eat it. Like, I'm going to eat that egg. Like, I have eaten a lot of my kids' Easter eggs already (laughs) and had to replace them. Is anybody going to fess up? Is anybody with me? I thought I'd be organised this year. I'd buy them well in advance. Bad choice. Be that last minute person. (laughs) It's better for the hips. It's like saying to a child who's flipped their lid and having a tantrum, calm down. Have you watched people do that? It's quite funny. Like, they've just completely lost the plot. And you're going, calm down, calm down. It's okay, calm down. Like, it's not effective. They just, they are incapable of calming down in that moment. And I think that's the same for us when, when people say, you know, you shouldn't sin. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do the wrong thing. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Isn't that good? Isn't that just like, yes, come on. I can, and I mean, that's not a free reign to go do whatever you want, but hey, just acknowledging, you know, I make mistakes, I stuff up, but that's not going to stop God from loving me. And Paul goes on in Romans 8 to say, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. It's because of Jesus that our sin no longer becomes a barrier 
for God's love to enter into our lives. But sometimes we associate God's discipline and God's correction in our life as he's angry with us. You know, as a parent, you spend a lot of time disciplining your kids, right? It's the best part of parenting. I'm like, I want a break from disciplining my children. But, you know, we do this because we love them. We want them to grow up to love God. We want them to be kind. We want them to be productive members of society that leave our house one day. At least that's my goal. (laughs) But I know for my child, for my 10-year-old, like if I let him do whatever he wanted to do, I'm fairly confident he would do two things. Like I'm super confident he would just do these two things. That he would play Roblox and eat junk food all the time. Like I don't even know if he'd go for a, you know, a breathing break. I'm pretty sure that's all he would do. But because we love him as his parents, we put restrictions around that and we enforce rules and, you know, there's consequences should you go over your time, although I have gotten better at setting these amazing time limits on iPads, which is great that that he hasn't worked out the code to override yet. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Um, But because we love him, we have these, you know, things in place and if he steps out of line in that, you know, there's consequence to his actions. And he often sees sees this as punishment. He sees this as we're being mean to him. But in fact, in actual fact, I'm confident one day, well, I'm hopeful one day, he will understand that it's out of our great love for him that we're putting these things in place because they're good for him and they're healthy for him. And I, I wonder if we sometimes have the same view of God that when God brings correction into our lives that we feel like God is hating on us or God's angry at us, but it's really God's great love for us. You know, when we do something and we feel that conviction inside and we, and we start to feel that guilt and that shame, I think sometimes we turn that into God's angry at me and we want to avoid God and we want to pull back from God when it's actually a demonstration of God's great love. It's not that we're not good enough. It's not that he's disappointed in us. It's that he loves us and doesn't want to leave us the same. And I think often we have two responses uh, when we experience this. One is that we can spiral and pull away from God and we see evidence of that in the Bible and even that story with Peter. I mean, if you read on, you know, Jesus has to go back to Peter afterwards and bring him back in because he feels this deep sense of shame and and regret over what he's done And, and God is so gracious. Jesus is so gracious to him. And he specifically goes to Peter and restores that, lets him know that he's not angry at him. You know, he brings him back into relationship with him. And we see that with Adam and Eve, that they they pull away and they hide. And we tend to do that and we can spiral because we think, you know, we're not good enough for God's love. Or the alternative is that we can just front up to what we've done. We can use a Christian word, repent, you know, apologize to God, make some changes and move forward. And I think, you know, as we progress in our relationship with God, hopefully that spiraling decreases and we're quicker to just go, oh, own up to our mistakes. Sorry, God, put things in place and then move forward in our relationship with God. Because God is truly full of grace and truly full of mercy 
for us. You know, Psalm 145.8 says, He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. And that's because of Jesus. And if we go back to John 3.16, For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. When we feel like our sin stops God's love, the answer is Jesus. It's because of Jesus that we can receive his love, that we have access to his love. God made a way for us. God made a way for us that despite the poor choices we make, guilty of making a lot of poor choices in my life, you know, in spite of that, in spite of the fact that we stuff up, God doesn't love you because you're good. God doesn't love you because you're good. He doesn't love you because of what you can do for him. But he does love us fully. He does love us fully. And God is certainly not afraid of your mess. You don't ever have to hide your mess from God. God is okay with you coming into that mess and restoring you just as he did with Peter and bringing you back into relationship with you. Jesus never shied away from messy people. You know, you read that time and time again in the Gospels. He never shied away from messy people, actually sought messy people out. You know, they were the people that Jesus was interested in. It's because Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took our punishment. It's Jesus who makes a way for us to be truly loved by God. It's because of His grace. It's because of His sacrifice. It's because of His mercy that those barriers don't need to stop us from fully understanding God's love. And in a moment, we're going to, I've actually asked the team if they will open up a time of ministry for us and they're going to sing the beautiful song, Amazing Grace. And we're going to have a time where we can just either reflect individually, worship God, get prayed for. You know, if you don't even know this Jesus, I encourage you to come up the front and have someone stand with you, pray with you, introduce you to this amazing Jesus. Because sometimes, sometimes we just don't feel like we're worthy for God's love. And sometimes we just need to lift our arms in surrender and allow God's truth to dictate rather than our feelings. Because the truth is, nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Not death, not life, angels or ruling spirits. I'm sure that nothing, nothing in the future, no power, nothing above us, nothing below us, nothing in the whole created world will ever be able to separate us from the love that God has shown in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the words of Paul. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I know we all have barriers to really receiving God's love. And I just wanted to create space this morning that 
Maybe you can surrender that barrier to God this morning and allow him to minister to you, that that might break down as we surrender, as we worship. God will do something supernatural in your heart and break that barrier down and bring healing into your lives, that you can go forward from here knowing his goodness, his grace and his mercy in a fresh way. I know, I know, I need to know God's love in a fresh way this morning. So let's just go into a time of worship. Um, I encourage you to enter into that however you want. Come up the front, kneel, pray, worship, whatever you want to do, but allow God to minister to you this morning. Allow space for God to speak into your heart. And if you're watching online, don't just click off right now, but listen to the lyrics of this psalm and worship at home and allow God. God can do the same at home as he can do in this place this morning. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's worship God this morning. We just want to open the altar to anyone that wants to encounter the Lord today. And there's a lot of you in here that needs a fresh touch of heaven, a fresh reminder of his love. And if that's you, if that's you, engage, lean into him however you feel necessary. I want to also invite the prayer team forward. And if you would like prayer today, please make your way forward. The altar is open. Come as you are and come now. i 
We're going to leave the altar open for anyone who wants to stay in the presence of God, for anyone who wants to encounter Him. But we're going to close the service here, and we ask you to respect the time that's in here to move your conversations into the foyer. You're more than welcome to stay and leave when you're ready. Oh